Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, and I hope this Sunday finds you all having a good, relaxing day. So, I want to share some important new information in the Debbie Collier case. So many of us are hungry for any and every new detail about either the people in 59-year-old Debbie Collier's inner circle and or about Debbie's agenda on September 10th of 2022, the day she made the 70-mile mystery trip from her home in Athens, Georgia, to a family dollar store in Clayton, Georgia. So here's all the new information that I've gleaned. I'll call this a potpourri of new information. Let me start with new details about Debbie Collier's agenda on September 10th, the day she disappeared. We know Debbie stopped at a Chick-fil-A restaurant in Commerce, Georgia, on her way to Clayton. And I can now confirm that Debbie Collier was seen on surveillance video at the restaurant, and she ordered and consumed a meal just for one person, meaning no one else was seen there dining with Debbie Collier. Such a trip to Chick-fil-A makes it seem like Debbie Collier was in no hurry to get to Clayton, and that the nature of this excursion was more leisurely than rushed. On a side note, I've been told by locals that people traveling to Clayton or beyond often stop in Commerce to eat and shop. There are outlet stores in Commerce, which makes it a popular shopping destination. By the way, according to an article in the Northeast Georgian newspaper, law enforcement received a tip indicating that Debbie Collier may have also stopped at a Waffle House in Clayton, Georgia, on her way back south toward home, toward Athens, Georgia, on September 10th, the day she was reported missing. So this stop at the Waffle House would have been after she visited the family dollar store. Investigators are currently checking the validity of that tip, Note that this Waffle House is just a half a mile south of the family dollar store. Let's hope that the Waffle House has surveillance footage of Debbie Collier and anyone else who might have been with her. Okay, but let's get back to Commerce, Georgia for the moment. One person who visited a store in Commerce 10 months ago was Debbie's daughter, 36-year-old Amanda Bearden. Amanda visited the Affordable Dentures and Implants store in Commerce. How do I know this? Because Amanda Bearden left a negative online one-star review about this store. Let me say this before I read Amanda's review. This business has tons of five-star reviews. So just because Amanda may have had a negative experience there, and I'm going to tell you about it, doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to this business. Here is what Amanda wrote, and I quote, one of the doctors were super rude to me, and conveniently enough, I'm the very last person left waiting, not to mention I wasn't given any medication, end quote. 
So it's unclear to me why Amanda expected medication. I'm not sure if medication is commonly given to people getting dental implants or dentures. Maybe she's talking about laughing gas that I know my dentist sometimes offers if somebody is nervous. It is interesting that Amanda was not happy about this particular detail of her visit, the medication. So that was 10 months ago. Seeing this review made me think that maybe Debbie Collier took Amanda to Commerce Saturday, September 10th for another office visit to this dental facility. And maybe while Amanda was being treated there, Mom Debbie popped over to the Chick-fil-A for a bite and a drink as she waited. I think that's a plausible scenario, knowing that Amanda had been there 10 months earlier. I know it takes time to get dental implants, and it's probably the same for getting dentures. There have to be at least two visits for these procedures and dental fixes. This is pure speculation on my part, but it would explain why Debbie was dining alone there and why she was in commerce at all that day. Remember, Amanda said that she and Debbie ran errands the day before, and Amanda had just moved back to Athens from Baltimore, Maryland, two days before. Maybe Debbie wanted to help Amanda out with her dental care. I'm assuming, based on the many Venmo cash transactions that Debbie gave to Amanda, that Amanda likely doesn't have dental insurance or enough savings to pay for these pricey dental solutions. Perhaps Debbie was planning to lay down big bucks that day for Amanda's teeth, and she didn't want her husband, Steve Collier, to know about it. Maybe Steve was tired of Debbie handing over cash to her adult daughter. I mean, Steve Collier was working all day that Saturday, parking cars, so that tells me he's a hard worker. Maybe Debbie didn't tell Steve about this planned trip to Commerce and then to Clayton for those reasons. Just me speculating, but it would explain so much about that day. I'm wondering if we will hear more about additional surveillance footage from other businesses in Commerce or Clayton from September 10th that show Debbie Collier maybe with another person. Let me switch topics slightly now to the crime scene where Debbie Collier was found deceased. I discovered some fascinating details about the crime scene in an article from the Northeast Georgian newspaper dated September 23rd, 2022. So this article about Debbie Collier was in the archives of the newspaper. Unfortunately, the archived articles do not include the photos that were published with the article when it appeared in the newspaper. So I can't see the photos. I can only see the captions that are associated with this particular article. But trust me, the captions are very interesting. Let's begin. This is what the newspaper wrote under a photo showing debris at the crime scene. By the way, the article states that Debbie Collier was found topless. Also, I'm going to substitute the words done in instead of the actual word that begins with the letter K 
and rhymes with the word pill for what was done to Debbie Collier, ultimately. I'm doing this to keep YouTube happy. Okay, so here goes, and I quote, The leaves nearly 10 feet above the ground are shown to be singed from whatever fire was set on September 10th to September 11th when Debbie Collier was done in near Victory Home Lane in Tallulah Falls, end quote. So this caption tells me that whatever fire was set at the crime scene had to have been pretty big when it was first started. It had to be tall enough to singe leaves on a tree 10 feet above the ground. This also tells me that whoever set the fire intended to burn all the evidence there, but whoever set the fire left before he or she or they could make sure the fire stayed lit and burned everything up. Here's the next caption. Once again, I can't see the photo that was included with this caption, so I don't know if the photo is showing a flower pot in front of Debbie and Steve Collier's home or if there was a flower pot at the crime scene. I assume this flower pot would more likely be one outside the Collier home, but the way the caption is written, it makes it sound like the flower pot was near the crime scene. Note that the caption does not say if it was a blue flower pot. It just says flower pot. So here's what the caption says, and I quote, A flower pot found nearby was peppered with birdshot, end quote. Now, that is weird and super suspicious and super creepy. Why would a flower pot be found nearby? And why would it be peppered with birdshot? If this was found at the crime scene, is it symbolic? We know from Debbie Collier's obituary that one of the great joys of her life was gardening and nurturing plants. We also know that the Venmo sent to Debbie's daughter for $2,385 included a note saying that the key to the house is under the blue flower pot. I've written to the newspaper editor, by the way, to see if he can share the photo from that article with me, or if he can at least let me know if this flower pot was indeed found at the crime scene. And again, the flower pot was said to be peppered with birdshot. In case you don't know, birdshot is a type of metal shot that is designed to be used in shotgun shells. Birdshot in close range encounters can be deadly. So birdshot is basically a type of stuff they put in bullets. By the way, a news crew that turned up at the crime scene after the investigators left found an unspent bullet casing on the ground near Debbie's rental vehicle. Could this flower pot peppered with birdshot be related to that bullet? To me, this is a huge clue and one that seems to have been lost by most people. I haven't heard anyone mention this birdshot 
flower pot previously. This is one of those oh my god moments for me, anyway. I mean, I don't know what to think about that. On to more captions. Here's another one, and I quote: "Burned pieces of paper towel in Jersey, along with blue safety gloves left by investigators, are shown near a blown down tree." End quote. What I find interesting about this caption is that some of the burned red fabric that we see at the crime scene was found to be from Debbie Collier's Georgia Bulldog jersey T-shirt. This is the first time I'm hearing that pieces of the red jersey Debbie Collier was wearing on the Saturday she disappeared were found. Burned at the crime scene. We saw bits of red, but I at least originally thought these were part of the red tote bag that Debbie bought at the family dollar store. So hearing that Debbie was topless and hearing that bits of the red jersey were found burned, clearly we know now that her T-shirt was removed and burned. One more piece of information that I found on Gisela K's channel, Grizzly True Crime, is that the home that Amanda Bearden lives in with her on again, off again boyfriend Andrew Geigerich, that residence, which is owned by Amanda's stepfather Steve Collier, has eight bedrooms in it, and there are other tenants sharing the structure. This explains why it was so easy for Amanda to leave and move to Baltimore, Maryland, and then suddenly return to Athens, Georgia, and move right back into that same building. It also begs the question: If Amanda inhabits just one bedroom that she shares with Andrew in that house, why did she need her mother Debbie to go shopping with her for cleaning supplies? Wouldn't you think Amanda would have had at least a few bucks to buy her own cleaning supplies? A 36-year-old adult woman who just drove back from Athens, Georgia, you would think would have some cash on her. Did they drive to Athens with like zero money in their pockets? And by they, I mean Amanda and Andrew Geigerich. I don't know. Doesn't sound like they had much ready cash. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Now do me a favor: hit that like button, leave me a comment, share my video, and subscribe to my channel.